This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Welcome back to the emdocs.net podcast. Today, we're going to start with a case. Your patient is a 38-year-old female who comes in with a headache. She describes the pain as 10 out of 10 and the worst that she's ever experienced. She states that she was running and suddenly she was bent over due to the pain. She's also had nausea and vomiting with tingling and numbness in her left hand and foot. She has no prior history of headaches and no pertinent past medical history. She's mildly tachycardic and hypertensive to 173 over 100, but the rest of her vital signs are normal. This is a patient with a thunderclap headache, something we see on a pretty routine basis in the emergency department. A thunderclap headache is defined as a headache that reaches 7 out of 10 or more in intensity within less than one minute. These are often unexpected and not preceded by any warning signs or symptoms. While the duration and the location of the headache are important parts of the history for you to obtain, they really don't have a role in defining thunderclap headache and are nonspecific. A normal neurologic exam and the absence of any associated symptoms can't exclude a serious cause in a patient with a thunderclap headache, and the patient still needs a diagnostic workup for some potentially deadly pathologic conditions. Also keep in mind that pain relief of treatment does not exclude a serious cause. Now, the classic teaching in medical school is that a thunderclap headache is pathognomonic for subarachnoid hemorrhage. However, only about 11 to 25% of thunderclap headaches are due to a subarachnoid hemorrhage, and this is a big pitfall for us. There are several other conditions that we need to think about besides subarachnoid hemorrhage. Some of these others include things like cerebral venous thrombosis, a cervical vessel dissection, acute hypertensive crisis or press, ischemic stroke, intracranial hypotension, infections like meningitis, temporal arteritis, and reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome, or RCVS. Other conditions include acute angle closure glaucoma and carbon monoxide toxicity. We're going to look at a couple of these different conditions, and then we're going to look at your approach for the patient with thunderclap headache. The first one, and probably the most common, is a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Most cases of subarachnoid hemorrhage occur from a ruptured cerebral aneurysm, which occurs most commonly at the branch points in the cervical willis. The classic presentation is a sudden, severe headache that the patient will describe as the worst headache of their life. The headache is a primary symptom in about 70% of patients, and 50% will present with a thunderclap headache. This headache can last for several days and really rarely resolves within a few hours. Also keep in mind that patients can present with loss of consciousness, seizures, delirium, stroke, visual disturbances, vomiting, dizziness, neck stiffness, and even photophobia. Because thunderclap headache is a common presentation of a subarachnoid hemorrhage, any patient who presents with a thunderclap headache must be evaluated for a subarachnoid hemorrhage. The average mortality rate of a subarachnoid hemorrhage is around 50%, and about 10% of patients will die prior to hospital arrival. If you're evaluating for a subarachnoid hemorrhage, keep in mind looking for a sentinel headache. This is a headache that occurs days or weeks prior to a ruptured cerebral aneurysm. This might be due to a small leak of blood into the subarachnoid space. Our second condition is cerebral venous thrombosis. We covered this in a prior podcast, so we're not going to go into too much detail here. Keep in mind that a headache occurs in up to 95% of patients with a CBT, but the onset of this headache is usually gradual. Only about 2-13% to of patients will have a thunderclap headache as the primary symptom. 
Patients may have accompanying neurologic symptoms from several vascular territories. Other signs and symptoms include seizures, altered mental status, and focal neurologic deficits. CVT is rare, but 80% of patients with CVT are younger than age 50. It's also more common in women, especially in the peripartum period. Also keep this in mind in patients with recent surgery, those on oral contraceptives, and those with hematologic disorders. Cervical vessel dissection is our third condition that we're going to talk about. A cervical vessel dissection can involve either the carotid or the vertebral arteries. This is one of the most important causes of strokes to consider in young and middle-aged patients. A significant risk factor is a history of neck trauma, which can be something minor like manipulating therapy of the neck or sports-related trauma. Other risk factors include connective tissue disease, large vessel arteriopathies, hypertension, and a history of migraines. Headaches occur in about 60 to 90% of patients with a carotid artery dissection and about 70% of patients with a vertebral artery dissection. While the headache is usually gradual in onset, a thunderclap headache occurs in about 20% of patients. The headache is ipsilateral to the dissected artery. The typical first symptom of a cervical artery dissection is a unilateral headache and then neck pain or facial pain. The headache from a carotid artery dissection is found most commonly in the frontotemporal region. Additionally, about 25% of patients will experience a partial Horner syndrome with meiosis and ptosis. A vertebral artery dissection presents with neck pain and headache, which can be unilateral or bilateral. This headache is most commonly posterior in location compared with the carotid artery dissection. Many other symptoms can be present, including facial paresthesias, dizziness and vertigo, vomiting, visual disturbances, ataxia, limb weakness, dysarthria, basically the five Ds of cerebellar pathology. Next, we're going to cover acute hypertensive crisis and posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome, or PRESS. About 20% of patients with a hypertensive crisis will have an associated headache, but these are usually not thunderclap, but rather just a gradual worsening headache. These patients will often have symptoms in addition to their headache that's consistent with end organ damage. This can include dizziness, dyspnea, vision changes, chest pain, altered mental status, or fluid overload. PRESS is a clinical syndrome with radiographic findings that presents with headache, seizures, and vision loss, often with extreme hypertension. Patients can also have nausea and vomiting, focal neurologic signs, or altered mental status. Radiographic findings are necessary for the diagnosis and it's most commonly going to be symmetric white matter edema in the posterior cerebral hemispheres. The headache associated with PRESS usually has an acute onset. When it comes to evaluating the patient with thunderclap headache who's hypertensive, you need to figure out if this is a stress response due to the severe headache or if the thunderclap headache is the result of the hypertension. In patients with thunderclap headache and extreme hypertension, evaluate for signs of end organ damage suggesting an acute hypertensive crisis and consider present patients who present with headache, seizures, and vision loss. About 20-30% to 30 of patients with stroke develop an associated headache. In 50% of these patients, the headache precedes any other neurologic signs or symptoms. This headache is usually throbbing and ipsilateral to the side of the stroke. Thunderclap headache associated with stroke is rare, but there are several case reports. The next condition is spontaneous intracranial hypotension. This is usually due to CSF leakage from spinal meningeal defect or dural tear. This most commonly occurs after a lumbar puncture, but it can occur after minor trauma like falls, lifting, coughing, or sports. This typically presents with a positional headache that improves after lying down and worsens when the patient is upright. About 15% of patients will present with a thunderclap headache. 
Infections like meningitis and encephalitis can also present with thundercloud headache, but this is pretty rare, occurring in less than 3% of these cases. Pituitary apoplexy is another important cause. This occurs with hemorrhage or infarction of the pituitary gland. This most commonly occurs in the setting of a pituitary adenoma, but it might also occur in association with pregnancy, general anesthesia, bromocryptine therapy, or pituitary irradiation. This also usually presents with a combination of acute headache, ophthalmoplegia, decreased visual acuity, reduction in visual fields, and altered mental status. Think about temporal arteritis in patients who are older, over age 50, who come in with new onset headache, temporal pain, visual symptoms, and jaw claudication. Our final condition is reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome, or RCVS. This includes conditions associated with thunderclap headache and diffuse segmental reversible vasospasm. It's thought to account for most causes of a thunderclap headache that are termed benign or unexplained. Risk factors include the postpartum period, history of migraine, and use of pharmacologic agents like triptans, SSRIs, cocaine, and amphetamines. The hallmark feature of RCVS is multiple thunderclap headaches that recur every day or every few days. These headache recurrences can occur for up to four weeks at a time. While it's usually self-limiting, it's not always benign. A minority of patients can experience residual effects, including seizures or strokes. So with all this information, what should your evaluation be for the patient with a thunderclap headache? First, you need to assume that every patient with a thunderclap headache has an intracranial emergency. The management begins with assessing the ABCs. Once the patient is stabilized, then you can begin your diagnostic evaluation. The initial imaging modality of choice is a non-contrast head CT. This has a high sensitivity and specificity for subarachnoid hemorrhage. When it's conducted within six hours of headache onset, this has a specificity that reaches 98% and a sensitivity that nears 100%. But as that time from headache onset increases, the sensitivity of CT for subarachnoid hemorrhage decreases. Unfortunately, CT without contrast can miss many other causes of thunderclap headache. It can miss infection, hypertensive crises or press, pituitary apoplexy, RCVS, and cervical vessel dissection. LP with opening pressure can help you in diagnosis. LP is a gold standard for the diagnosis of subarachnoid hemorrhage, especially if that patient presents after 12 hours of headache onset. CSF studies like glucose, protein, white blood cells, red blood cells, and the differential can help you diagnose viral and bacterial meningitis as well as subarachnoid hemorrhage. The opening pressure can also help you. CVT might be associated with an elevated opening pressure, while intracranial hypotension is associated with a lower opening pressure. There are several other imaging modalities that you can use in your evaluation for the patient with thunderclap headache. Prior guidelines incorporated conventional angiography, but this is no longer recommended. If you've performed a head CT and it's normal, then a next good step is a CTA. This is going to depend on your institution, but an MRA is also another option. CTA is probably more widely available for most centers. If these are normal and the patient is still having pain, then you can move on to a brain MRI during the patient's admission. Even with a thorough workup, studies estimate that a diagnosis is made in only 27 to 71% of patients with a thunderclap headache. The most common diagnosed cause of a thunderclap headache is subarachnoid hemorrhage, like we talked about. Other vascular causes are the second most common diagnosed cause, including things like cervical vessel dissection, CVT, and RCVS. Your history is essentially determining the need for further evaluation beyond that initial negative head CT. While that physical exam is useful, 
patients with a thunderclap headache in a normal exam may still have a deadly intracranial condition. Now back to all those conditions we talked about. For subarachnoid hemorrhage, obtain that initial head CT. If it's negative, you can move to an LP or a CTA. For RCVS, obtain a CTA or an MRA. For cerebral venous thrombosis, you'll need CT or MR venogram. For cervical vessel dissection, obtain a head and neck CTA. Brain MRI is going to be the highest yield imaging modality for patients with press and spontaneous intracranial hypotension. It can also be useful in pituitary apoplexy, but if that patient presents within two hours of headache onset, then CT might demonstrate the pathology. In summary, a thunderclap headache is a headache that reaches 7 out of 10 or more in intensity within less than one minute. Every patient who presents with a thunderclap headache has to be assumed to have a life-threatening intracranial condition. A thorough history is essential in evaluating for risk factors for other conditions and in determining your workup. Keep in mind that associated symptoms in a normal physical exam does not exclude a serious cause in a patient with a thunderclap headache. That patient still requires a diagnostic workup. Thanks for joining us on the emdocs.net podcast. Stay safe, everyone.